0: To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, yeah. it that 200-inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Hopefully you're riding out the quarantine safe and sound somewhere. Man, what what wild, unprecedented times! I've never seen anything like it. It's just a uh, new information coming in all the time. What wasn't a big deal a couple weeks ago is is now a big deal. But you know, us as as head of our households, we just have to remain calm, not overreact, also not underreact. You know, make sure we're we're heeding the government's warnings and restricting our travel and restricting the big groups of people and uh you know our contact with them and you know do our part to stop the spread of this thing so we can get life back to normal and there's not a doubt in my mind that life will get back to normal there will be a hunting season this year this is just a hiccup so we'll get through this thing just remain strong look after your family and and uh we'll be there before we know it so today on the podcast you may have some extra free time with this stuff going on. So with that free time, you could be studying up on other states, other other opportunities, tags, and, and things of that nature. And so Eastman's has come up with a new program to help with your research. This new program is called Tag Hub, and uh, it's going to be available on the Internet. And it, it's just going to be a, a great, valuable resource for hunting, hunters you know, trying to apply for these different opportunities across the states. So um, today I have on David Hoshauer and Scott Rekers. They're a couple of the guys behind the launch of this Tag Hub and, and behind a lot of the, the data and information here. And so they're just a great couple guests. I really get along with them. It's a great podcast. We'll get this thing rolling. I just want to thank my sponsors real quick. I want to thank Matthews Bose. Matthews has outdone themselves this year man oh man that new VXR is a shooter uh I, I had fallen in love with that verdicts from last year and I I thought I was going to be hard pressed to find a bow to ever shoot better than that one uh but they have done it <laughs> this new 31 and inch VXR that I have I have this thing all set up shooting at distance shooting groups man I am so impressed this thing just holds like a target bow and it's so quiet, and also just the forgiveness of it. Um, my groups are just incredible with this bow. Uh, it's just been blowing my mind. I can't wait to use it for 2020. So if you guys are in the market for a new bow, uh, make sure to check out Matthews and Shoota a Matthews. They are building incredible products. So thanks to those guys for all their support. I also want to thank Mountain Archery Fest. So they're a new sponsor to Eastman's Elevated. Um, Let me just pull up their website here. Uh, Mountain Archery Fest, it's a 3D festival. And it's designed both for recreational and competitive archers, uh, and with the family in mind too. Um, These events are just awesome. There's no better practice on planet Earth than shooting at a 3D target. And then you put a 3D target... Uh, you know, on a mountain and, and all these take place at ski resorts. So you ride the chair up and then you walk the courses down. Uh, they have multiple courses set up. They have a course where they have the Pope and Young World Record Course is what they call it. So what they do is they they built 3D targets that represent the Pope and Young World Records. So you're actually shooting at a at a world record, you know, for for all these 29 North American big game species. Uh, it, it's just awesome. Um, should be really fun to do. Uh, like I say, they're putting on four events this year. Um, They've got an event, uh, Lookout Pass, I'm going to try to make that one, that's in Mullen, Idaho. Um, They have one in uh, Los Alamos, New Mexico, uh, one in Beaver, Utah, and one in Durango, Colorado. So go to their website, check them out. They should be a lot of fun. I know I'm going to try to make one, and uh, sure makes my shooting better. Um, Gosh, the 3D courses, it's just so much different aiming at an animal than it is Aiming at a, a dot or an X, and uh, that practice on 3D animals, I have to attribute a lot of my success to it. Just uh, making sure that I that I'm always shooting at 3D targets, uh, learning how to pick a spot. So uh, it's just great for for the archer and great to get ready for season. So thanks to to uh, Martin Mountain Archery Fest for their support of the podcast. And with that, um, let's get this thing rolling. Uh, i got some good podcasts coming up for you guys, so I'll continue to release those. And uh, yeah, we'll just ride out this thing together. We'll make it. So uh, again, this is Scott Reekers, Rieke- David Hoschauer. Man, I can't talk, but this is the podcast. I am your host, Brian Barney. Here we go. Oh cool. Well, uh let's just get into it guys. So, uh I've got okay. Scott Reekers on the line. I got David Hoshauer, uh a couple of guys that are the brain children behind TagHub, um which is going to be our our new system for doing all kinds of research for out-of-state or in-state hunts, right guys?
1: That is correct. So how many data points does this have, Dave? I mean, we we, we went over this last week, but that might have changed now that you've done a little bit more work over the weekend.
2: Yeah, uh, working over the weekend is pretty familiar to me now Um, and evenings and uh, nighttime. It's been crazy doing the the, uh, data conversion. But we have right now between 400,000 and 500,000 data points. And we don't have some things in there yet. We were missing some general hunts in a couple of states, and I haven't done California yet. And uh, that doesn't count the the data behind the data. So when you take a look at, for instance, at the uh, trophy quality grade, if we're talking about sheep, I've got tables for um, every sheep shot in the United States over the last seven years, I can tell you, everything that the state reports about that. And so all that goes into the, um, uh, the trophy quality grade for sheep. So, you know, we may have four or 500,000 data points in tags of itself, but behind there, there's a whole lot more data. So it's really an incredible amount of data.
1: Well, actually, so let's, let's back out 30,000 feet. We kind of jumped right into this. So, eastman's tag hub is the primary the primary piece that we that we centered it around is we have for years wanted to put all of the mrs data that is in the magazine plus all the other antlered hunts in all 11 western states we wanted to put them in a form that was much easier to sort because print is print is print once it's once it's out there it's out there and, you know, we don't get a chance to say much about that chart or that information until the next year. That's just kind of the way that that goes. And so what we wanted to do is create a place where you could sort all of that data. We could include all the data that we hadn't been able to use before. And then we would also be able to use the uh, 30 years of experience that the Eastman's brand brings to, brings to the table with that and dave um <clears throat> dave has spent a lot of time if you've read our um colorado mrs his name is familiar he's also written um uh, several articles on the blog especially about colorado and so he's he's um he's been intimately involved with all the all the spreadsheets and all coming up with our standardized system he um for you know the best way to put it is he builds algorithms that helps us come up with our grades and consistency across state to state and so that was going to be the centerpiece of what tag hub is and we'll get back to that but there are going to be some other pieces of tag hub that are um that are behind you know behind this paywall number one is you're still going to get a print subscription with it And so you'll get a combination of EBJ and EHJ if you subscribe to Tag Hub. And then um, I actually saw last week our first uh, prototypes of all the video content that we're going to put there. So all these episodes of Beyond the Grid TV and Eastman's Hunting TV that everybody has been wanting to see and wants to see them sooner, those are now going to be available earlier than they get out on YouTube. They're also going to be available... um, you to watch there we're going to put all kinds of video content behind this so you'll get to see episodes sooner than everybody else Um, and then on top of that we are also going to have editorial that only tag members can see so I'll use this as an example every year guy does um, does some of his top units for Wyoming for each species well he can't include everything that he wants to there but in this format we can and so we're going to have that editorial there we're also going to put um, tag application strategies i'm sure dave will have a whole lot of ideas on things he wants to write related to that and so we have a pretty cool opportunity Uh, but this is all centered around the mrs data that's now been expanded to include every antlered hunt um, in all 11 western states and so now we can jump into what all that data looks like. So I, I feel like we really needed to make sure that, that people understood that Tag Hub was the entire package. The data's you know the data's the centerpiece.
0: That's exactly what I needed, Scott, is an explanation of what TagHub is. And so it's an evolution over the years that that you guys have come up with using all that data from the MRS and all the antlered hunts and now put it in a spot on the internet where a guy can access it and search through it. And you got me access to tag hub, um, Gosh, you let me look at it when it was in the development stage, uh, and then you you passed it on to me here a couple weeks ago, and, and I've been um, using it like crazy, applying for a lot of these Western states, but it just gives you such a good grasp of what these states have to offer, and, and it's all broke down and easy to understand with the, the color coding, and we use some of our same rating systems as we used in the MRS, but it, it just takes it Even deeper yet, and what I like is it—it's accessible. You know, right when I want to put in for Nevada or I want to put in for Colorado, I can search through the different species and the different states to 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 see what state fits my needs. So you guys have done a great job. I can tell you guys have been busy. It's a heck of a program that you just launched.
2: Yeah, really, what it is—it's the MRS that's online in in a format that you can work with it. So uh, Scott mentioned sorting the data, but the really cool thing, I think, is the ability to, to uh, filter the data. So you can say, well, just show me the hunts in Colorado mule deer for a non-resident that take uh, four or five points. And then I also want to see uh, just the hunts that have at least 50% public land and at least 50% um, harvest success. And I want an A or B trophy grade, and you can put all those criteria in there, and it will narrow it down for you to just exactly what you want to see. And that's the, I think, the most powerful part of Tag Hub.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Well, it just gives you all your options. You're right. Uh, it, you know, you you can punch in your needs for a hunt or your wants for a hunt and see what units are available. And so. Yeah, uh, just like you like you said, I've been doing that in these other states and looking, you know, I can put down archery, you know, so that meets my criteria. We don't quite ever get to 50% success rate in archery, but if I can get like 25%, I'm feeling pretty good, like it's a pretty good unit that's producing consistent trophies. And heck, for that matter, I mean, sometimes I'm applying for units that only have a 10% success rate, but you're right, that's just like, that's one part of it that I can punch in or focus on to to be able to find those units, it's just an awesome tool.
2: Yeah. So you really can customize it for what you want to see. So, you know, there are people who, um, like you, they don't mind the, uh, the lower success. Uh, they want a high trophy quality uh, and probably a high degree of difficulty on the uh, terrain, you know, things to discourage other hunters. And so, you know, whatever the thing is that, that you care about, you, you can customize this for you and it will show you that so what it does is it shows you that in two places one we have at the um, the bottom of the screen are the uh, the table columns that you're familiar with from the the print version and then in the middle of the screen there's a uh, map and the map changes as your selections change down below and just shows you the units that uh, they qualify based on the, the criteria that you selected and so you can kind of see how those lay out and then if you click on any of those uh, uh, those units then over to the right all the information about that unit is over there for you to take a look at so those are the basic parts to it the um, the map in the center that uh, is connected to everything the uh, the tables at the bottom and then the unit information at the right
0: yeah exactly uh, it it's really intuitive it's easy to use You know, I was on there for five minutes and I already had the feel for it and was able to to search through units. And and two, I like finding information out about muzzleloader units and rifle units. Like, I can't believe all the muzzleloader opportunities out there. Like, the, the archery thing has gotten popular over the past handful of years, but I see a lot of these tags in similar seasons for a muzzleloader, which is an extended range, you know, weapon versus my bow that there's just some awesome opportunities out there for guys that are looking for any weapon but they but they want to harvest a trophy or they want more time in the woods but it always surprises me when I'm looking into those other weapons and and furthermore you know with with the rifle like like Colorado is your specialty day but you know offering some of those earlier season Colorado rifle hunts that's a good opportunity to get into a good unit
2: Yeah, and you know what's happened in Colorado? Colorado has a tremendous problem with um, non-hunter uh, activity in these wilderness areas, and so these early season hunts that uh, that take some points in Colorado, where it used to be you were up there by yourself in the wilderness, now you're up there with hundreds of hikers who are hiking through these uh, wilderness areas on these trails, these remote mountain lakes uh, and such. And so what's happened is all the activity on these wilderness trails has really ruined these uh, high country archery hunts in Colorado. Uh, it's really driven the deer out of their preferred habitat and, and really into areas that they'd prefer not to be in areas that you wouldn't really think to find them. So. That being the case, you know, muzzleloader looks kind of interesting, and, and I'm actually uh, putting in for muzzleloader this year for the first time, just because it is still an early season hunt, but it's not the same as the uh, as the archery hunts uh, where you, you have so much activity a little bit uh, you know, earlier in the uh, in the fall, and uh, and two there's there are a lot of units that have muzzleloader hunts. So it doesn't have to be exactly the um, the wilderness units. But I think muzzleloader is a great alternative to these um, early archery hunts.
0: Yeah. Um, boy, that's great, Dave. Yeah, uh, so you are looking at those opportunities. You've been looking at the da- data the same way I have. But, yeah, it, it's pretty cool because you can look as an individual for what fits your needs, you know, and, and uh, take advantage of some of the opportunities that you see. And that um, – Gosh, the the new Tag Hub just allows you to do that and really get a feel for all these states, what the best units are, um, you know, what, uh, you know, and there's still, you know, just because it doesn't have a, a blue rating or it isn't a blue chip rating, it doesn't mean that it's it can't be good hunting or you couldn't find a, a big buck in there, right?
2: No, you're, you're better off, I think, most people are better off not doing blue chip units, uh, at least in Colorado, because they just take so so doggone many points. I mean, I just don't have the patience to wait 20 years to get drawn somewhere. You know, if I'm going to um, hunt mule deer, I want to be hunting frequently. And so, uh, you know, the blue chip units, they're, they're just so pricey in terms of uh, hunts that... Really, um, I don't anticipate hunting any blue chip units. I put in for the green chip units. And you can get, uh, you know, blue chip uh, trophy quality in a lot of these uh, green chip units overall. The the unit might be a green chip because it has um, uh, lesser uh, public land or the uh, success rate on on harvest is a little lower or, um, you know, has a little higher pressure. Than a blue chip hunt, so you know there's trade-offs. But you know, uh, in Colorado, the price of these blue chip units is just—it's way too high for me. So I don't even think about blue chip units. Uh, I'm I'm putting in for the uh, the green chip units. I just want ones that have a um, a decent uh, success rate, an A or a B for uh, for trophy quality. And you know, the part that you really struggle on is in Colorado is the hunter pressure. Uh, that's the one thing that you kind of have to give a little bit on. But, you know, the alternative is just waiting too long for me. So-
0: yeah, I, I have that same feeling. In fact, you know, I've been putting in for trophy units my entire life, and I don't think I've ever – drawn a blue chip unit in any state like it just a uh, and I'm like you where the price is just too spendy that's too many years for me to apply 15 20 years is I I'm looking at spots that I can hunt every couple years and I was able to get in some good units early before they got popular with the bow and arrow and draw them for a couple points and get the experience um, but but I'm with you as I'm looking, you know, when you're traveling anywhere in your home state or even out of state, you just want to make sure that you're going to the opportunity is there that you, that you have the chance at a good hunt, you know, and so that's what that rating system does is it allows you to do some research. And know if you're driving 12 or 14 hours across the country that you know that this unit does have decent success rates. That they there are you know trophy muley bucks that live in this unit and are harvested every year. And just knowing that um, you know I'll, I'll roll the dice on those decent units and and go try to hunt them and turn one up. Uh, it, it's just a fun way to go about it for sure.
2: Yeah. The other thing, when you wait for these um, blue chip units, I always wonder about these guys, you know, they wait 15, 20 years to draw a unit. And, you know, then they go into a unit that they don't know, you know, they, they haven't hunted that unit. They've been sitting and waiting to draw it for all this time. And there's just such an advantage to getting to know a unit. Uh, you know, it's just so much bigger advantage to knowing a unit than it being, you know, really a, a blue chip unit. Uh, so i think it's really you're at a disadvantage even doing the blue chip units you know maybe that's maybe that's heresy to say but um um, but really i think you're just better off getting to know a decent green chip unit and finding out um, you know where those deer are and uh, elk are and uh, how they move in different conditions and um you know just getting some experience in the unit
0: yeah that's exactly right is um knowledge of the unit like even if you draw a really good unit or go to a really good place you know it it takes a long time to gather that knowledge and figure out where the animals like and where they prefer um and and yeah there's there's no there's no substitute for experience in a place you just learn how it works and also uh, right along those same lines i think you know it's also hunting skill it it doesn't do you any good if you draw a blue chip unit but you haven't been hunting for 10 years or you haven't been hunting very much for 10 years you don't have the the hunting skills built up to go into that blue chip unit and turn up a trophy buck and harvest them so it, it's just that looking for opportunities year after year and building your hunting skill to where you can be successful when you have a good opportunity or a good tag to go into or, or a decent tag for that matter
2: Right. And that doesn't mean that you don't put in for some higher point units in other states, you know, that you, um, that you can um, say are, you know, are kind of dream units. But you need someplace to hunt every year and, and you need, you know, a decent unit to do that. You know, one of the things that the map does in, in Tag Hub is it allows you to see where the opportunity is. So, you know, once you start putting in the criteria that you're looking at, you know, you you might find some opportunities in places that, that maybe you didn't expect. So, um, yeah, for just give me an example that the Gunnison Basin, uh, you know, a few years ago had a really killer winter, and they really uh, cut the number of tags something awful in those Gunnison Basin units. And so, um, you know, people uh, take a look at that and they say, well, I'm going to Avoid the Gunnison Basin because, you know, so many deer died off and they've cut the tags so much. I'm not sure that that's really the, um, uh, the best place for me to be looking. But if you put your criteria in the tag hub, what you'll find is is that the um, success rate is still really high in Gunnison and that the trophy quality is still there and it's actually easier to draw than it used to be. Um, so, you know, you wouldn't know that unless you start putting in your criteria and then saw on the, the map, those Gunnison units all light up as, as uh, places that meet your criteria. And, and then you can take a look and dive a little deeper and, and see, you know, what kind of um, uh, points it takes and, uh, uh, you know, what the success rate is uh, recently and so forth. And so, you know, that's, that's one way that the, uh, the map will help you out.
0: Gosh, that's a good point, Dave. Like, Scott, like um, that Wyoming migration, like how we're learning about the Wyoming migration Mm -hmm. and how these deer are traveling so many miles from their summer range to their winter range. I think the same thing happens there in Gunnison where they did lose some numbers and had some bad winters, but who who knows – how far those deer go or migrate down towards uh, uh, those those different big high, high sage flats in and through there, which direction those deer go out of Gunnison, because that Gunnison Basin, that's a huge area where we're talking 10, 15 good units that surround it, and so some of those units could have fared better than others, and that's what that data is showing you, is you're able to, to look through it and say, okay, they had a bad winter, but like you were saying, Dave, the success rates didn't go down. They're still killing good deer there. You know, that, that may be a place to to apply, and especially now that it takes less points than it used to to draw it.
2: Yeah, because everybody assumed that the, 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 with the tag numbers down, the points to draw would go through the roof. But it was so you know, so well known that the tag numbers went down that a lot of people just quit applying there. So really it's not any harder to draw than it used to be and it's probably a little easier to draw than it used to be and I think that will surprise some people
0: Boy that's wild yeah it's, um, it's crazy Scott we've been learning a lot about this Wyoming migration uh, part of the new film that Eastman released uh, just just some wild evidence of how far those deer migrate that just absolutely blew my mind
1: yeah it it, it is a uh it is nuts how far those deer migrate and it's it's crazy the pressure that is put on them from one end to the other um one of the biggest things mike told this story when i first started working at eastman's and he'd actually had an article published and i believe it was a casper star tribune where he talked about how there were deer from north of jackson that were migrating through yellowstone and ending up wintering out in park county and they were literally being hunted from one end of that to the other because everybody just assumed, oh, these are park deer coming out. So the only time we're going to be able to hunt them is November. Um, but turns out we were hunting them in September by north of Jackson, and then we were they were getting hunted all the way through into the general units, like where you horse back out. And then there was a November season in the Bighorn Basin. And so you know there's pressure on them from one way or another, so that it's it's this map, this mapping technology is literally changing everything with how they do that. And then you know using something like taghub, you can you can see all those seasons. And now that we know this data, obviously things are going to change. So it's going to make you more effective in planning your hunts. Like I don't really expect us to have November seasons here in the Bighorn Basin much longer. or if we do, we're talking ridiculous short. Where are you going to find that information? Well, places like TagHub will help with that. Um, but understanding these migrations and you'll also be able to see through season dates, you can see a state strategy and how they're managing a lot of these things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it, it gives me a chance just knowing where the blue chip units are. And, and, and like Dave said, there's states where I do apply for blue chip. If I'm going to drive all the way to Arizona to hunt elk, like I want to make sure I have a, a good experience down there. So, you know I'll play the lottery and I'm not really banking on a tag but I get a tag every year in Montana and so you know that state is one of those states where I can play the blue chip but one of my my biggest strategies uh for for picking units is to look at the borders of a lot of those blue chip units uh I I've killed a lot of big deer and big elk on on the borders of those blue chip units and and uh and even this year, I'm looking you know a lot of that Utah, that southern Utah, like I never have a chance to draw that Poncegon hunt i you know it's just not in the cards for me it's it's I think they give two non resident tags, or maybe one non resident tag, but a lot of those units surrounding there the the Zion and the uh, Penguiich Lake, a lot of that is that same classic southern Utah country that can still grow those giant bucks they 're just uh easier to draw tags and a little bit tougher hunt you've got to put a little more into it so uh, there 's just so much so many different ways that you can take the information, and I think that 's what's the the cool thing about it is is that you know, we can personalize it for our own needs, and it's not just pushing the masses towards one or two good units or one or two medium ah. units. You can take that data and just personalize it for what you're looking for, which, which okay. also, you know, helps to to not overpressure a unit or overpressure, you know, a, a certain species in a unit.
1: Well, and like you and I both play the game in Nevada. Well, I, I you know, I've put this in the MRS for several years that – because of the way nevada systems system works you know it goes through your entire app your your lowest numbered your most randomly assigned numbered application is the first one that gets looked at well it goes through your entire application so all five choices get looked at so you're successful so say you're successful with um, choice number three well you may as well shoot for the moon on your first three and then you know if you've got three to five points well if you want to put that in the back because it's going to get looked at you know um and so that's just the the way that i i do that there but you know it's kind of the same strategy with me i use use a combination of the data and then i verify the data with um, people that um that i know who have hunted there and who um who've spent time in those units, you know, that's one of those ways that, you know, I've, A, I want to verify that my MRS information is right. Nothing like egg on your face with a, a unit that's not, um, you know, I wouldn't want to call a marginal unit a blue chip unit, you know, just because sometimes there's varying factors for why something is what it is. Um, but, you know, it, it allows you to sort through all that. And like you said, finding those border units, that part is huge too. Like there's so, so many reasons um, that that sorting and being able to filter down what you want is, is a powerful tool for getting a tag.
0: Oh, you're right. That's a really good point, Scott. Yeah. So in Nevada, you're a fool to put like an easy-to-draw unit as your first choice. Because, like you said, they look at all five of your choices, try to assign your first choice, second, third, all the way down to your fifth. So the tag you really want to draw or have a good chance at drawing, that should be your fourth and fifth choice. Your one, two, and three, you might as well shoot for the moon because they might just pull your name out of there, and it doesn't hurt your chances of getting the tag. And the same thing goes for New Mexico as applications, too. Right, yep. You know, There's a whole strategy to the way you apply to, to, to make sure that that you're getting the most out of your application and just understanding like all these states operate differently you know and so just understanding and being able to wrap your head around that and apply intelligently and not waste your year because gosh I mean these bonus points are so tough to come by Dave you talk about the price of some of these tags and you're not talking the price as far as money you're talking the price as years and points every year you can only get one point and so Gosh, you just uh you you wanna have the best knowledge base you can for applying to uh you know, because these points are so valuable and these tags are, are so tough to come by, you you just wanna do your 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 due diligence and do your research and make sure you're putting it in a good spot.
2: Oh yeah, I I've got way more money than I've got time. I'm not saying that I'm that I'm wealthy, but uh, I think everybody's that way. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're right. more money than they do time, right? So, you know, there's only um, you know one season. Well, I started to say one season a year, and then you know I do Colorado, and Colorado's got seven deer seasons. You know, so uh, you know there's more than one season a year, but you can only draw one tag a year. You know, so um, so yeah, you really got to make it count. Boy, and, you and you really to do that.
0: Yeah, especially in Colorado, uh, which is your expertise, Dave, like, uh, boy, if you um, – there's no guarantee. So the, the highest points holder gets the tag, and so that point creep can get you. And so looking at trends of units is so important because I know I have planned to hunt Colorado because I had a unit that I found that was a zero-point unit. Then it went to a one-point unit, and I had one point and applied and then that year it took two points, and so Colorado, you get your your one choice, and your second choice is only a leftover tag. And so the the one thing I do right. think is interesting is your second choice doesn't burn your points. So you know you can right. get pretty aggressive to get a Colorado deer tag if you're if you're willing to go into some of the the less sought after units. But yeah, you really got to make that first choice count in Colorado, and just part of that is that. Mm that, that diligence of looking through these units and learning as much about them as you can. Well, and one of the things
1: I've noticed on the forum is there's, there's a lot of guys. So they're looking at, um, they're trying to get ahead of point creep. So say a guy has 18 points in Colorado, he's shooting for units that require 15. Like this is, this is happening a lot. You know, there's a lot of conversation about it and it's done on purpose because they're trying to stay ahead of point creep. They're tired of waiting. They want to hunt. You know, and this is up and down the strategy. So that that affects like what you're talking about. Like, huh, well, it took five this year. Well, I've got eight, so I should be able to get it. And that's kind of the philosophy I'm seeing come up a lot of places.
0: That makes sense.
2: And in in Wyoming, same thing happens. Uh, You know, I thought for sure I was going to draw my uh, Wyoming antelope tag last year. Um, And, you know, looking at the uh, the points from the year before, I should have been able to draw it. But, You have all these guys who are sitting on the sidelines, just building points. And I think Guy has written about that in his uh, Wyoming MRS. You know, the percentage of people that are not even applying—they're just buying tag or just buying points every year. But then you get a you know a year like last year where it's good um, snowpack and you know good spring um, snows and such, and looks like uh, it's going to be a really good trophy year. And a bunch of these guys decided to jump in off the sideline. And what worked last year, you know, now you just got point jump instead of point creep. <laughs> you just got, got passed by. <laughs> so so that can happen, too. But there's no real, real way to, to research that except just to keep in the back of your mind, you know, if you're hearing that it's going to be a really good moisture year and should be a good trophy year, you might want to just kind of stick in the back of your mind that, um, maybe I should have a little cushion there and not apply for, um, you know, uh, just the, uh, the max that I can get. The other place that's going to come up now is in Colorado because the big change in Colorado with their new five year season structure is that they're pushing the, uh, the dates back on the hunts. And so this year it's pushed back a couple of days, but next year the, um, the dates for second season deer and elk. Is really going to be what used to be third season, and there's a really uh, a huge difference in um, success rate between second and third season in a lot of Colorado units. And so, you know, this is going to be um, going to be real interesting to see how this plays out in terms of uh, of points, because there are units where you know it can take um, upper single-digit points, like uh, eight or nine points. Draw third season, but you can draw them in second season for one or two points. So what happens next year when second season effectively becomes third season and third season effectively becomes fourth season? Um, it's not going to take one or two points next year to draw uh, second season, but you don't really know what it's going to be. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Uh, it's, I think everybody Uh, who follows Colorado pretty much knows by now that the the seasons are are being pushed back a week and, you know, that the second season now actually is going to go into November next year. Um, So um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see, but I've really got my eye on that.
0: That's a good point. You know, I I heard about that and know about it, Dave, but I hadn't thought about it in that way. As You're right. That second season turns into third season, so you can draw a way better unit and hunt what normally would be the third season for a second season tag. That's just a really good strategy, and like you say, the difference in points is huge in that. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and the fourth season gets pushed back. Boy, that ought to be really in the rut, too um <laughs> yeah man yeah. and That's then I, be, i'm i'm yeah, bummed
2: it's gonna be late november
0: yeah well and, and they keep yeah. moving that that uh, uh bow season up too doesn't that change to september now is that correct dave
2: yeah uh, let me think here so archery and muzzleloader both changed so bow season this year is going to be september 2nd through 30th and um uh, I think bow season uh, is going to be staying the same every year, if I remember right. Bow season and muzzleloader, I think, I have to, I have to go back to my um, season structure table, which you can look up on, uh, online. Um, but the, um, I think archery and muzzleloader are going to kind of stay fixed in the, um, uh, the other seasons are going to be moving around on the five-year structure.
0: Okay. Yeah. Cause I know this year it opened September 2nd and it used to open the last Saturday in August every year. So I know I've hunted Colorado, August 25th. And with, you know, the, the long month in August, uh, archery, it's like the earlier, the better. I love those August seasons. And with them shifting it back into September, Boy, there's usually some gnarly weather that hits that first week of September in there. So it, it definitely makes it a little bit more difficult. And those deer are also looking to go to secondary living and start moving off. It's it's right around that time period mm-hmm. where they start shedding their velvet and moving down lower and are tougher to hunt. So, yeah, I'm a little disappointed that the, the seasons push back a little bit. But, you know, we're only talking a few mm-hmm. days, but it's going to make a difference for archers, too. Yeah, and, and so if you're applying in
2: Colorado, you really have to take a look at the season structure because it, it makes a huge difference in, you know, when you're going to be hunting and, uh, you know, what the what kind of uh, demand there's going to be for those tags. Like I say, I, I think off the top of my head, I think it was, um, I have to look it up, I think it was fifty three that I was looking at. And there were several of these units, but 53 was like eight points in third season and uh, two points in second season.
0: (laughs) That's such a huge difference. Yeah. So you you could almost sneak that second season tag. Yeah. That's amazing, Dave.
2: Well, we'll see if it holds out. We'll see how many people find out about that. You know, I'm guessing that the second season uh, points needed are going to jump up a couple of points in most units. Uh, once once it gets pushed back to where you're actually starting to hunt in November in second season, which I mean that sounds even weird to say that, doesn't it? Um, second season hunting in November.
0: <laughs> it does sound weird. It doesn't quite sound right, or it it just hasn't been the way it has been for you know years now. It, it's always happened in in late October, which is some some of the toughest one of the toughest seasons to hunt a mule deer. It's that. Pre-rut is really tough before those start; those bucks start staging for those does. And I I kind of find those last days of October and first days of November, it starts to turn on, at least in, in this country up north in Montana.
2: Well, you know, one of the reasons I think the state is doing that, Brian, is that they, um, I think they're putting in place a plan to really increase the deer harvest. And the reason they're doing that is that they're just so concerned about the CWD. And what they're saying is that the, it's the older deer that have the um, the highest prevalence of um, chronic wasting disease. And so they really want to get the harvest numbers up on these uh, older deer. And having seasons that are later should mean higher success on these bucks as they start to get into the rut. And it's gonna, um, what's going to happen is just a conscious effort by CPW to, to push um, up the uh, the harvest success and to decrease the um, buck-to-dough ratio in Colorado, which is really fairly high right now. So uh, that's not a popular strategy, but I think that it really is their strategy. Um, and you're going to see in Colorado, you're going to see those buck to doe numbers come down, and you're going to see the... Uh, Uh, The harvest success uh, go up, and and that really is part of their strategy because you know once uh, CWD gets into the ground in a unit, boy, you just sunk. And what happens when it really gets into the herd? It's the older deer that uh, that really take it the hardest, and you can lose, um, you know, that whole section of your herd. Um, You know, there's a, I think the the rule of thumb is is that. you're four times more likely to see CWD in a mature buck than you are in just a, uh, in a young buck. So, um, you know, to, to fight CWD, they are, um, they're doing just exactly what I said, um, increasing the, um, the harvest success and decreasing the buck to doe ratio. And I don't know how many people know that yet, but, um, I think that's worth knowing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Man, that's wild. Um, yeah, man, that
1: that scares me a lot, I, Dave. I was just about to ask you what the biological reason is there, but mm-hmm. what scares me from that perspective is that you need mature bucks to be doing the breeding because it takes a it takes a healthy buck and a healthy doe to produce healthy fawns, and that, yeah. that scares me. I, I mean, yeah. um, you when you if you don't have any of that top end age class, there's I mean, there's just not any of that top end age class genetics may be great, but you lose so much like getting back to that migration conversation. Um, one of the things that Matt Kaufman referenced is that whenever these older bucks die, you lose generations, generations of, of knowledge as far as moving. And so, um, I'm a little concerned that we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater because this isn't the only place that's discussed it. Wyoming has actually talked about adding a whole lot of late season hunts to get rid of, like, specifically to get rid of mature mule deer. And it's just like, well, if they're not there, who's going to be passing on this generational knowledge on the migration? Because the bucks, they huddle back up, you know? Um, so I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with that. Um, that strategy? Well,
2: if you look in the Colorado MRS um, that's in print, uh, one of the things I put in there this year is a CWD map, prevalence map, and um, it's really incomplete because there's a lot of units they haven't tested. They're going to be testing a lot more units this year, and so the rest of that map will fill in. But what I was told was that if you get CWD up to um, 20 or 30% of the herds you can just kiss that older age class goodbye. And you may kiss it goodbye for a very long time because, you know, those prions stay in the soil. And, um, uh, you know, once you wipe out that older age class, it's it's really, really difficult to recover that. And if you look at that map, uh, there are some really high incidences of CWD in that uh, northwest part of the state. Some of the, you know, the best deer herds in the state uh, are getting really scary um, incidences of CWD. And so, um, you know, this is, this is issue number one in, um, in wildlife uh, management in Colorado right now is what are we going to do with this um, CWD problem? Because we're getting, uh, you know, we're getting numbers that really uh, don't portend well for the deer herd at all. Uh, so that, that they're talking about that uh, an awful lot. That, that's just the big issue right now. The, the other big issue that they're talking about is, um, as I mentioned before, this year-round exposure of, of these game animals to uh, to human activity because you know people are moving to Colorado for the outdoor lifestyle, and so they're um, you know they're just about year-round contact, whether it's uh, you know hello or cross-country skiers or um, People, um, you know, backpacking or hunters or photographers or you know, just different nature enthusiasts, you know, these these animals are getting a lot of pressure from people year-round and they're moving off their good habitat. So, like, you know, one of the issues in, in sheep hunting in Colorado is that some of these best herds, like the ones in 50 and 51, um, they're pretty much on private land now. And, um, uh, so, you know, you, you, draw one of these, uh, storied units and get out there on the hunt and you may find that, um, you know, you are just staring across the fence at the sheep because the uh, year round pressure has pushed them there and pushed them off of their best range. And the same goes for elk and the same thing goes for mule deer. So that, yeah. that's another thing that they're just really concerned about.
0: Yeah. There's so many challenges the wildlife faces, uh, um, encroachment on humans habitat loss um yeah i just hope there's there's some people smarter than me that are that are making those decisions uh, about cwd um scary stuff for sure we're just uh it's a pretty wild world world right now with cwd and uh corona going around it's a it's a pretty wild world
2: <laughs> have to get these deer to do some social distancing i guess huh?
0: <laughs> yeah i think that's exactly <laughs> what they need yeah um well, yeah. hopefully they're making the right decisions in those units, um, to, to help. I mean, the Colorado, it, it is, it's been, it's been such a great place to hunt mule deer and trophy mule deer and their management over the years, you know, was really ahead of the curve of, of managing each unit for buck to doe ratios and, in managing each unit, the number of deer taken in there. And, um. You know, so, so they, they've done a good job up to this point. We're just, uh, those, those mule deer. they're such a sensitive species. They're, they're just tough to, tough to manage good populations, but yeah, I guess we just got to continue to evolve with the times and try to take care of these deer populations as best we can.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that they are, they're not talking about enough that, um, Colorado and wildlife is the predation problem, you know, one of the uh, things that we're seeing with elk in Colorado is that there's really poor recruitment of these, um, of these calves. And, um, you know, you, you, they're doing a couple of different studies, um, in Colorado and they're, they're only partway through them, but, you know, I've been talking to biologists there and what they're saying is, well, you know, the drought is gone. So the forage has been good. Um, the, uh, uh, cows seem to be in good condition. The birth rate's still high; that hasn't gone down. Uh, there's no disease that we really are aware of, and so you know what does that leave but predation? You know, being behind these um, lower elk numbers across the state, especially in the southwest part of the state, and in the um, the center of the state around the you know the Eagle County and Dale uh, area, and You know, I've talked to a number of people that have talked about actually seeing mountain lions as they're hunting. And, um, you know, I talked with uh, with one um, fellow uh, that I know well who uh, talked with an outfitter who had 11 camps last year and said that in every camp, he asked every camp and every single one of his 11 camps said they had either seen mountain lion tracks or seen a cat when they were out hunting. And uh, that's just that's just too much. the the, um, the lion population in Colorado is just out of control, and um, and the bear numbers are high too. Between the two, you know, that's really I think what's behind the drop in the elk population. And between CWD and um, you know this out of control number of uh, lions and bears, um, I think the the future of um, mule deer hunting and elk hunting in Colorado really concerns
0: me yeah I have that same concern yeah I just see all the problems and then uh, the wolves and um, just the whole deal in Colorado now it's a it's in a pretty scary state but us as sportsmen like uh, it's good to talk about these and it's good to figure out what's going on and to voice our concerns Um, you know and it's like, I, I struggle with that. I, I struggle with steelhead as those runs in the Pacific Northwest, they're no longer what they used to be, and there's hardly any fish that are running up there. But me as a sportsman, all I can do is talk about it and then spend my money on the license and go try to catch a unicorn legally out there, you know, catch and release one. And same thing with the with the deer and elk in Colorado. It's paying attention to it. It's voicing our concern and then putting our dollars, uh, you know, behind what be behind our voice, you know, applying for licenses mm-hmm. and the tags while well, it's still good there. Not that you want to run it into the ground, but there's smart biologists that are running the numbers right now that you, we have to, mm-hmm. to trust them a little bit in their tag numbers and how they're going to manage it and, um, try to, try to find some opportunities to go enjoy Colorado because it is a, a beautiful state with great genetics. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. And, um, and really, you know, we started talking about the tag hub and how to find the, uh, uh, the best units. And so we really do try and stay really in close contact uh, with the biologists and the big game supervisors and uh, hunters and outfitters and such to just get a really good sense of what's going on so that uh, when we do uh, our MRSs uh, for the year, that we adjust the um, the trophy quality and the trophy forecast according to what we've been hearing and kind of keep people abreast of, of what's going on, you know, this stuff changes so quickly that, you know, uh, units get reputations and, you know, they, things change. And, um, you know, that reputation may not be quite as deserved as it used to be. And um, you may not know that unless you're reading Eastman's and paying attention to the um, the trophy forecast grade and the trophy quality grade.
0: Yeah, that is a great point, Dave, and, and you're spot on. Both uh, uh, you, Dave, and you, Scott, you guys have done a great job, everybody involved in the MRS, because this, this uh, member's uh, research section that's in the back of the magazine, I read it every year, and I've just watched you guys keep evolving it and changing it. And like you say, the conditions of units change. And so there's almost like this common knowledge of units to where you can go anywhere on the internet and you can find information that the Poncegon is the best unit. You can find information. Like you say, these repu- these units start to build a reputation. And then the reputation is, is that it's great hunting. People keep applying there. But you're right, Dave. You bring up a great point is these these units are always changing and you guys do such a great job of updating the units. And so I've seen units downgraded because of different factors from you guys. And I've also seen new units come on your guys's radar for green chip units. And, uh, you know, it's, it's done through the data and through your guys's research. And I I love that you say, you know, it's not all data that's put in there. It's talking to outfitters. It's talking to wardens. It's talking to biologists, because really, that's what gives you a really good feel for a unit. And any unit that I'm implying in, like those are the the tools that I try to use. But but I just uh, I have to thank you guys for the MRS. You guys have put me in more good units over the years, uh, studying up and, and taught me, you know what the what the premium units are. And what the my favorite the green chip units are, and um you know I've been able to do my own research to to double check the MRS, but but you guys have sure put me on some great units over the years and some great deer and great elk. So uh, Eastman's has just done a great job with the with all the research, and so Tag Hub is is going to be a place for all that information that we can continue to evolve it. So I just I think for the money, it's such a great resource for Western hunters.
2: Oh, it's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. Um, and just think, you know, the, uh, the units you got put onto were just out of the, you know, 75 that we can list in a species in the print version. You know, uh, my Colorado uh, deer table, um, just looking at the different combinations, has got the 1,700 lines in it and 50,000 cells. Um, that you know, all that information now is available uh, to people to a research. And, you know, if you came up with sleeper units and, you know, um, different great units to hunt just on what was in the print magazine, think what you can do with the comprehensive information that we've got in there now.
0: I'm working on it right now, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: one of the things I kind of want to close out with is I wanna tell people about the pricing structure for this because there's actually a lot to that right now. We're going to be offering a smoking deal for a little while. Um, It's introductory, $99.99. So you get access to all the map and chart data. Um, And this is not a GIS map, let me be clear on that. This just the map is for referencing where on the state it is and some of the highlight features, things of that nature. And then you get your print subscription and then you get access to the videos. You get access to the exclusive blog where it's content that's only good for tag hub members as well as the chance to win a Southern Colorado elk hunt. So if you've seen any of the videos um, that show what it's like to hunt in Southern Colorado with our team as an EBJ subscriber, that is um, where you are going for this. We're actually giving away two elk hunts there this year. So, um, it's actually going to be some really good odds. Um, it's worth putting your name in the hat just for that. So that is what you're getting a chance for with that 99.99.
0: Man, it's awesome. Uh, such a great resource. I'm using it like a madman right now. So thanks you guys for all your work, getting this launched. Um, Dave, it's really good to connect with you. I know I've, I've talked to you through email a bunch and I just appreciate everything you've done for Eastman's, uh, and this tag hub. It's just absolutely amazing.
2: Well, thanks it's um yeah it, it's something that i have spent a tremendous amount of time on but you know it's something that i really like doing and i'm just really pleased with what uh, what it turned out to be and and of course we've got things on the um, back burner yet that haven't made their way into it so this is going to keep getting improved as we add more uh, uh, more features and more content to it but yeah, I am just uh, thrilled with the way uh, tag hub has turned out, and I don't know of any resource on the web that uh, that really even touches it uh, when you consider, um, as we're talking about, the experience and the insight that comes into, in addition to all just gathering all these numbers in one place.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Well, thanks, gentlemen. I really appreciate it. Uh, we'll get this podcast out, and we'll catch up with you guys soon. Thanks, okay. Brian. Thanks, Brian. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Yeah, really fun to talk to David Hoschauer. I've, I've exchanged emails with him, and it's the first time that I've really got to connect with him and talk with him, but he's a, a Western hunter through and through. He loves the game. He's constantly working on the, the data and the research, and he's put so much time and effort into the the MRS and, and the Tag Hub and like I say, not just looking at the data, but then talking to the wardens and the biologists and the outfitters. Uh, it, it's just uh, amazing what he's put together. So thanks to him for his time being on the podcast. Uh, always a good time having Scott Rekers on. I know he's put a ton of work into, the, you know, into this tag hub and getting this thing off the ground and, and making everything work right. So um, I know these guys have a bunch of hard work into this thing, and uh, I know it's going to be a great resource for Western hunters. I've been using it for the past week or so, i um, super impressed using it for these different tags and applications that I'm applying for and so, um, yeah it's just a great resource. I think it's going to do really well. I also want to thank our sponsors, I want to thank Matthews Bows. They built me this brand new VXR 31.5, what a shooter. Um, they have outdone themselves there at the research and development team, um, or the whole team for that matter. Uh, I just really believe they're building the best bows on the planet. That VXRMI holds like a like a target bow, so forgiving at shooting such good groups. That thing is going to be a killer in 2020, I guarantee you. Um, so if you're in the market for a new bow... Uh, make sure to check out a Matthews and shoot one and see what you think. Um, They're building just great next level bows. I also want to thank Mountain Archery Fest. So Mountain Archery Fest has these 3D festivals that are going on. They've got four of them this year. They're going to take place in June and July. Let me pull up the website here again. I'll give you guys the spots where they're going. Um, But just a great event. They're going to have the 29 Pope and young world record replicates as 3d targets. So you get to shoot at the world record and see what he looks like. I think that's so cool. They've got different courses set up for every different skill level. And the, what separates these guys from other national 3d events is their competitions. Um, so they've got some great competitions that go on during these. They've got an event in lookout pass, Mullen, Idaho, uh, Um, I I stumble because I don't want to pronounce it wrong, but here we go. The, uh, Pajarto mountain. God, I'm so bad at that. Los Alamos, New Mexico. So it must be a ski resort down there. Please excuse my pronunciation. Um, they have one at Eagle Point, which is in Beaver, Utah. It's a beautiful spot there in Utah. I know I'm always driving through that Beaver turning off close to there. And then they also have one. At the Purgatory Resort, Purgatory. I think I said that right? I swear that's how it's spelled. Purgatory Resort, and that's in Durango, Colorado. Uh, Durango is just beautiful down there. I love Southern Colorado. Uh, just have some huge mountains down there. Again, they take place at the ski resort, and um, should be a great time. And with that, um, man, sitting on some good podcasts, been recording some more for you guys. Gosh, I. uh, Yeah, I got some more in the works. I'm going to get Mike Glover back on. Man, he's just the perfect person to talk to during this whole coronavirus. Uh, You know, he's got a military background. And um, yeah, I'm just... uh, I'm excited to see his insight into this situation and um, see what he thinks about it and what he has to say. So I'm gonna, I'm working on lining up a podcast with him right now. Got some other great ones in the works. So just going to continue to release you guys some, some good content. And we'll ride this thing out together and uh, see the other side. So um, thanks, guys, for the support. I really appreciate it. We'll talk with you soon.